this morning, we're starting a brand new series, and I'm really excited about this. Are you excited about this? Well, uh, yeah, it's up there, the fulfilled family. And, and uh, so just a, a number of things just kind of give you a little overview of what we're going to be covering over this next month or so. Uh, it's actually, uh, when we talk about the fulfilled family, we're going to actually explore what it means to have a healthy fulfilling family in today's world. Now, that can be a challenge in itself, right? And find a place of fulfillment. Uh, the fulfilled family, we can talk about the family dynamic. We're going to do that. Overcoming dysfunction and discovering destiny. And, and let me tell you that there's no family that does not have some level of dysfunction, okay? Because, you know, you, you look long enough, you're going to find it, Okay. There's no perfect family on this side of eternity. We're all working at it, right? And so, but with God's help, with his word and by his spirit, we, I believe, can have a fulfilled family. And 2023 is a year of fulfillment. That's a word that the Lord gave us this year for 2023. We're moving from the promise to the fulfillment of the promise. And so we're believing for great things for the family, specifically for your family. Amen? Now, let me tell you this, a loveless home equals a loveless society. A society is actually a mere image of what's going on in the home. In fact, I believe that refuge is a church that is committed to building strong families. And I believe as we build strong families, that's going to result in a strong community, right? In fact, that's been like a model for a child care center. We're building strong families for a strong community because really the nation... You can break it down to the state. You can break it down to the city. The, the condition of the nation is as strong as the condition of the family because it's reflective of what's happening outside the home, what's happening in our culture today. Strong families make a strong community. And today's message in particular is single but not alone. And uh, so if you're single today, you need to listen up because we're going to share some things that I believe will help you. Now, you might say, well, I'm not single, so I'm not going to get anything out of this message. Well, you're wrong because maybe there's somebody that needs to hear what you're going to hear today that you will have opportunity to share with them, amen, or direct them to uh, the, the website or the podcast so they can listen to it too. But there's going to be value in what you hear today. I believe. So don't just tune out because, oh, he's not talking about me, okay? Uh, so so with, in this message, we're going to discuss how to navigate the challenges of being single if you're not married or if you're single as a parent raising children. I believe that you can find support and community by being connected to the church, and that's important. In another message, we're going to address the stages of the family. That's next week. We're going to explore the unique needs and challenges of each stage of the family life, uh, from newlyweds to empty nesters. And we're at that stage right now, empty nesters. And it's really great. I, I'm not complaining. But we're going to discuss how to navigate uh, each stage of family life. And because if you're not in it now, you will be in it at some point, okay? And how to build a strong foundation for your family at each stage. So we'll be looking at that. Another message we're going to cover is breaking the cycle. There's these cycles that need to be broken that seem to keep repeating themselves. So we're going to address breaking those negative cycles that can be detrimental to the health of the family. We're going to address how to overcome negative family patterns in order to create a positive, 
healthy legacy for future generations. Does that sound good? We'd also address the subject of adoption in a message entitled Adopted to Royalty. And this whole thing about adoption, my heart is so moved. And, and I'm going to be ministering that message in a few weeks. There's, there's something that God stirred in my heart years ago, and I've never shared it with this congregation about adoption. It's a vision and a dream that God had given to me. And so we're going to roll that out. But I believe it's going to bless you because we've all been adopted into the family of God. And so that's, that's a powerful thing, and we're going to learn a lot from that. And so we'll be discussing how we are adopted in God's family through faith in Christ and how this reality should shape and transform our understanding of family and community. And then finally, we're going to look at legacy. Because really, in a sense, that's our goal, that when we depart from this life, that there's a legacy that lasts longer than we're alive. That we can leave something in this world that's going to make a difference for future generations. That's where my heart is at, and I think more about that now than at other times in my life because I'm getting a little older. But I want to leave a legacy that will reflect the glory of God, the word of God, the presence of God to future generations. So, and, and then when we look at that, it's really leaving that lasting impact on our families, on our communities, and the world around us. And we're going to talk about how to build a legacy of faith, love, and service, I believe, that will inspire generations to come. Now, that's, that's a lot that we're going to be covering. And so, we, it really, you could do, we could do this for the rest of the year because uh, those are pretty, this is a broad subject, okay? And we're going to try to narrow it down, do some laser shooting out there to really pinpoint some of these issues. And, and through all of these top, topics, I believe we're going to have a better understanding of the fulfilled family. Uh, one that is rooted in love, one that's rooted in support and in faith. And so join us each week as we're going to explore this important uh, subject together. And so for today's message, and are you ready for the word? Okay, you ready for the word? That's good. The fulfilled family, single but not alone. Single but not alone. I want to direct you to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. And uh, when you find your place that we're going to, or you can uh, look at the screen behind me. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. It says, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father. Notice verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now there's something to be said about that particular passage. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, this scripture passage ends with being filled with the fullness of God. It begins by the Apostle Paul praying for the families that are in heaven and earth. And guess what? Part of our family is in heaven, okay? We know that, those that have gone before. We have a family in heaven, and, and they're kind of in the grandstands cheering us on on this earth. They, they want us to succeed. But the family on earth is what we're going to be focusing on in this series, and our prayer is for your family. Wherever you are at in the stage of life, that you will find what you need to succeed, amen, uh, with God's provision and blessing. So what is a family? Uh, Britannica 
states the definition of a family as a group of persons united by the ties of marriage, blood, or adoption, constituting a single household and interacting with each other in their respective social positions, usually those of spouses, parents, children, and siblings. So that's kind of in a nutshell. I'm not going to repeat that. You can look it up for yourself, Britannica, that definition. Merriam-Webster defines it as the basic unit in society traditionally consisting of two parents rearing their children. Now, uh, there are nuclear families, and that's the traditional type of family structure which most of us in, within Christianity understand. There's single-parent families, there's extended families, there's blended families, there's grandparent families. Uh, in fact, the, the traditional family consists of a father, mother, and children, okay? And so what, what we're seeing in society is almost like a redefining of what family is, and some of it is causing people to invest and focus on things that are actually detrimental to bringing health and homeless to hurting families. And so we want to help maybe give direction to shift things back on the course that God's determined for families and households. Amen? And, and we, are, we are just one voice. I'm just one voice, but my voice can make a difference in this world. Your voice is one voice, but your voice can make a difference in this world. Do you believe that? Amen. So when we speak the truth in love, it's going to make a difference in people's lives. And we're living in a culture, in a society where to speak up sometimes may make you an enemy of society, or you may not be as popular uh, among other people, but we need to speak the truth in love and show the compassion of Jesus. Because love, I believe, needs to be evident foremost in our lives and how we deal and how we navigate with other people. Now, the 2021 census, according to the latest census data, 26.4%, or we could say, this is the number, 19,172,000 children live in single-parent households. That's staggering. 20, so that's more than one-fourth of every of children live in single-parent homes. So what that tells me, as a church, we need to be prepared and be ministering to single-parent homes, okay? Um, and then the data shows that 70% of children live with both parents, 22% live with mothers, 5% with fathers, and 4% with neither parent. It could be grandparents or other relatives. Uh, Single-parent households have tripled since the 60s. And over 19 million, as we stated, refer to single-parent arrangements for their family. 52% uh, or 52.3% of single mothers have never been married, and 29.3% are divorced. So today, I want to share some wisdom for singles. Uh, and this is, there's a lot we could share, but... Uh, I'm going to share some things that I believe the Holy Spirit has led me to impart to you and share with you. And I, I've sensed that some of you have been dealing with intense frustration. Um, when you properly navigate through frustration, I believe it can lead to fulfillment. A lot of times people get frustrated and they become angry. They become cynical. They become critical. But I believe frustration should be something that should drive us 
to seek God and to look to him for the answer, to find resolution and resolve through him. Because, uh, you know, that frustration can be seen as something negative, but let it become something positive. Capitalize on it and let it drive you to seek the answer of God that you need. Amen? Frustration can reach the place where you, you just don't want to live this way anymore. You just don't want to put up with this anymore. You're so frustrated. I, w- I don't want to have to deal with this anymore. So something has to change. So frustration can actually lead you to fulfillment because you do something about your situation rather than just complain or grumble or get angry. As a single man, when I was single, I dealt with frustration, okay? And how many single people deal with frustration? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. How many married people deal with frustration? I I think, you know, it, it hits all of us at some point. But how do we move from frustration to fulfillment? Frustration, if you don't navigate through it properly, will delay the fulfillment or hold you back from it, and you tend to get stuck. But whether you are single or married, I believe you can find a place of fulfillment. And that's my point. Whether you're single or married, you can find a place of fulfillment. The way you think and what you think shapes who you are. That's a principle of life. The way you think and what you think shapes who you are. I have three points I'm going to share with you. Point number one is you are not alone. You are not alone. We're all in this together. Now, statistically, Generation Z is known to be the the loneliest generation ever. And that's problematic. And, And largely because people interact in a lot of ways through screen time, social media. Um rather than the face-to-face communication. And COVID only complicated that issue. And out of this loneliness, we're living in a lonely generation when there's so many more means to connect, so why should we be lonely? I believe it's a curse upon this generation that we need to address. And loneliness is something that God addressed in his word through the promises he's given. And so... You know, you might say, if, I'm, if I get married, then I won't be lonely anymore. But Pastor Deb and I, we've counseled people in marriages that were lonely, even though they were married. They felt like they were just cut off and lonely, even though they're married. So it, it doesn't just affect single people. In fact, one of the statistics of Generation Z is the suicide rate, and a lot of that is because of loneliness. You know, who's there for me? I feel abandoned. I feel cut off. Now, you may be single, but you're not alone. Many, many struggle with loneliness in our culture. And again, marriage is not the solution to loneliness, but relationship with Jesus Christ is. No person is ever alone who's a member of a family. No person is ever alone who is a member of a family. And guess what? We're a member of the family of God if you're a believer. When we become a member of the family of God, we are never abandoned, as we, we sung this, the song today. Hebrews 13.5, and I want to give you this for the first point, a couple other scriptures as well. Hebrews 13.5, the backside of that, or the second half of that scripture says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
This is God's promise. I will never leave. And, and you know, there's other things that it says up there. I want to focus on the second part. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And see, a lot of times that contentment issue, we, we're looking for contentment. We're, we're trying to figure life out. But the fact of the matter is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's God's promise. God keeps his promises. Isaiah 41 verse 10 declares, fear not. In other words, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, you need to hear this. In all of Scripture, the greatest commandment we see throughout the Bible is fear not. But it's a command that is connected to a promise. And we see it in this passage of fear not, for I'm with you. We don't have to be afraid. And, and I think that fear is wrapped in that sense of being alone or being cut off from others. You don't know, who can I share this with? I'm dealing with this, but I have no one I can open my heart to. Well, we encourage you to connect, even within the church, whether it's a small group or something, to be able to connect so that you can have opportunity to build meaningful relationships. And for you to pray, Lord, I need a friend. I need somebody I can confide in. I need somebody I can trust. But it, that's always a calculated thing because of betrayal. I don't know, in, in my life, the, the hardest thing I've had to deal with is betrayal. When somebody I trusted betrayed me, when they turned their back on me, when they stabbed me in the back, that's the hardest thing I've had to deal with as a minister of the gospel. People I've loved, I've, and Pastor Deb and I've served and poured our lives out to, and then there's this thing called betrayal. But you know what happened to Jesus? One of his disciples that he poured out his life to betrayed him. And so betrayal is one of those life things that's horrible. But still, that should not stop us or prevent us from connecting with others and building meaningful relationships. We are created to be in relationship with others. Amen? Another verse, though. And so I was going to say that that command with the promise. I think there's like 365 of those scriptures, one for every day of the year. So um, God will not leave you nor forsake you. In John 14, 6, it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit with us forever. Uh, that's Jesus' prayer to the Father. And the Holy Spirit came and is with us and among us and in us. So point number two, uh, another aspect of wisdom for singles, and it's really wisdom for all of us, whether you're single or married, is seek godly contentment. Seek godly contentment. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. Whether that's the state of singlehood or the state of being married, you can find contentment whatever state you're in. And so don't think, when I get married, then I'll be content. Or maybe in a marriage you say, when I get divorced, then I'll be content. No. You can find contentment wherever you are. Marriage is not your answer. Finding godly contentment is. Contentment, as we see in this passage, is something we learn. We need to learn contentment. It's something that we need to be taught. And that's a whole other message. But instead of trying 
In fact, when people, they, they struggle, I'll be content only then, or when this happens or that happens. But some people, as they believe in God for a mate, seeking God for a mate, uh, instead of trying to find the right person, purpose to be the right person. Uh, it's okay, I believe, to, de- to desire to be married, but don't let that desire have you. Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, for myself, I was 35 before I got married. And there was a point in my life, I think it was when I turned 31, I, think, I was thinking, maybe I'm never going to get married. Maybe I'm going to be single for the rest of my life because I had some relationships and it's like it just things didn't gel. And so I, I just continued to focus on serving the call of God. I was a pastor. I served eight years, the first eight years of this ministry as a single pastor. And that was challenging, but I, I, I had boundaries built around me and to, to you know, protect myself and guard myself from, from anything you know, uh, that could go wrong. But during that time, I got to a point where I finally said, okay, God, I will be content if I'm never married. And I really found contentment in being single and realizing that being single gave me certain advantages that married people didn't have when it came to serving God. I could spend more time with the things of God. The Apostle Paul talks about that, that he, he, he loved singlehood because he could spend more time doing the work of God. And where somebody married had to deal with other things, uh, you know, kids and family and all that. But that's great too, okay? And that's, that's part of the kingdom of God as well. But uh, so find godly contentment in the place you are right now. Don't think, oh, I'll be content then. No, you can find it now in Christ, okay? I could spend more time with that, but we're going to move to point number three. You can live successfully as a single. You can live su- successfully as a single. First Corinthians 7, 7 through 9, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he, he makes this statement. I wish that all were as I myself am. Now that, thankfully that wish never came to pass, but this is his, his opinion, okay? Because if no one was married, there wouldn't be children, right? Okay. Um, But then he goes on to say, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And we're not going to take a lot of time with that passage, but we see here the Apostle Paul's opinion and what he recommended to really as an encouragement for single people to, to lift the pressure and the stress, especially as young people and loving or caring relatives say, so when are you going to get married? And, and that pressure is on. I, I couldn't stand that pressure, okay? I, I, I got it like, okay, don't talk to me about that anymore. You know? um, so we could share some more on that. But I, I wanted to kind of shift in this point and ask this question. Is your life in need of repair? Is your life in need of repair? Don't think that just finding a spouse in itself will bring fulfillment in life. Understanding your purpose is a key to fulfillment in life. And there is most certainly fulfillment in a godly marriage when you understand his purpose for marriage. But my my, uh, counsel 
to all of you in principle is refuse to settle for less than what God has for you in your life. Compromise is an awful price to pay for the rest of your life. Whether it's choosing somebody or getting married for the sake of being married. It's better to wait for who God brings into your life if he has somebody for you. However, realize that looking for God's best and looking for protection are two different things. Or looking uh, for perfection. You know, um, people accuse me, Pastor, you're just looking for perfection. That's why you're not married. I finally found it. Pastor Deb. <laughs> yeah, she, she is. She's an amazing woman. And uh, I, I can't find fault in her. And maybe I'm blinded to that. And everyone has faults. But those faults that don't deter the level of my love and my commitment to her because of, of all the qualities that she has that, that helps me to be the man of God that I'm called to be, okay? So, hi, honey. She's watching. <laughs> love is not a feeling. It's a choice. Love is not a fall. You don't fall in love. You grow in love, okay? Love is never selfish. It sets its own desires to the side for the benefit of the other. So it's, it's a commitment. Love is more concerned with how you can meet the needs of others or another rather than uh, how you would like your needs to be met. And so I, I believe that a positive and attractive quality in the person is a willingness to change. Singles, when somebody may consider you as a possible, as a possible ca candidate, the biggest turnoff is that you're too set in your ways. Yeah. So I'm going to, I want to do this real quick because we just have a little bit of time left. Uh, and this is some wisdom for singles. And, and those of you that are married, you can share this with singles when you see them or, you know, or remind them that if they're here. Um, how to seek God for a mate. Because marrying the right person brings blessing into your life. Marrying the wrong person brings grief into your life. Should I say that again? I don't... Okay. Marrying the right person brings blessing into your life. Marrying the wrong person brings grief into your life. In Genesis 2.18, and, and this is what the scripture says, Then the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Now, in our realization, we realize that Loneliness is, is addressed in our personal relationship with our creator and uh, not necessarily marriage. But yet God saw that Adam had a need because he was the only human being that was alive at the time. So he needed somebody to be in relationship with. So for those of you, these are just some, I'm going to give some just real quick points for singles. Make Jesus the first love of your life. Make Jesus the first love of your life. And that should never change, even when you are in a relationship or after you get married. Uh, immerse yourself in the purposes of God. Don't look for a mate, look for a mission. And God will surprise you with a mate who will help you fulfill your mission. Amen? Study the Bible and Bible-based books on marriage. Learn whatever practical things you need to know to be able to serve another person. When you find someone who seems to be the one, submit yourself and your relationship to the will of God. See, God has to be centered. 
in the relationship. Maintain a high moral standard during your dating relationship. Avoid potentially compromising situations. Keep physical contact to a minimum. Sex before marriage is never acceptable, but if that's happened, repent, there's forgiveness, and God can get you through that. Consider carefully the kind of spouse you want God to bring to you. Be honest and real, don't lie. Don't try to fake it to impress the other person. See, a lot of times that's what a date is, you're trying to impress that person. And they see the best side of you. But it's later they see the worst side of you. And that's where things go wrong, okay? Or downhill. Seek mature, proven mentors and advisors who demonstrate Christ-likeness in their own relationships. You know, look at marriages that are modeling Christ-likeness. You know, I actually hung around married couples when I was a single just to learn about marriage. I, I hung out more with married couples than I did with singles because I, I was wanting to learn from them, observe them. How do they deal with their children? How do they deal with each other? And I learned a lot of things from that. Don't compromise the basic principles of truth in the Bible. Don't make excuses or exceptions for yourself. Sometimes we make, well, it's wrong for everyone else, but I'm an exception. No, you're not. This list, I believe, will show you or allow you to recognize cautions about your relationship should you reconsider that relationship. So we just want to move in a time where we extend an invitation to you. Maybe you're dealing with loneliness. Maybe you're dealing with a situation that you just are at a place where you need God to move in your life. And I believe he, he will. I believe that one key in finding meaning to life is clearing away the obstacles that interfere with God's plan for your life. Today, you might say, Pastor, you know, I don't know that my life is right with God. You know, all of you are at different places spiritually. Some of you are totally on fire. Your life is totally devoted and committed to following Jesus. You're honoring Him the best way you can. Some of you may have come in here today and, and you know that your life is a wreck, that your life is a mess. And maybe you even question whether or not if you were to die, whether you'd go to heaven or hell. That's a real issue because hell is real. Jesus preached more about hell than he did heaven because he doesn't want you to go there. It wasn't made for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. But spiritually today, you have a choice to make. Maybe you've questioned things, you've doubted things. But today I believe God is giving you an opportunity to make peace with him, to get right with him. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And, and I don't want you looking around right now, but I want you to be attentive. And I want you to be honest. I want you to be true before God. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. And I'm willing to commit my life to him. I'm willing to 
repent and turn from my sins and the things that I know I've done wrong. And I'm willing to continue or to totally submit my life to him. If, if that's you, with nobody looking around, I want you to lift your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. Okay, I see that hand back there. I see that hand up there. Others this morning. Thank you. I see the hand back there as well. Thank you. Let's stand up together. We're going to stand up together and we're going to pray this prayer. Uh, and that's kind of like my first priority. I want to make sure that your eternal destiny is settled as far as you being right with God because He has given all of humanity an invitation to spend eternity with Him. And that invitation is something only you as an individual can accept or reject. Jesus said, whoever believes in me has eternal life. To put your faith and trust in him. Belief is, is not just acknowledgement, but belief is to place your trust in. To look to the God who created you and surrender your life to him and allow him to come into your heart and make a difference in your life. I want you to pray this prayer. We call it the believer's prayer. And you can just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you today to surrender my life to you. Jesus, I believe you came for me. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead to give me life. You bore my sins. You paid the penalty for them. And now you offer me eternal life. Jesus, I believe and I receive. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Now you talk to him in your own words. Surrender to him. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him to show himself strong in your behalf. He's, he's here right now by his spirit. And he's ministering among us right now. Father, and I, I just speak as I see things. I speak peace to the confusion that has plagued a number of people here that's caused confusion, misunderstanding. Father, let there be redirection in their life in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for salvation, healing, and deliverance. Thank you for moving by your Spirit among us now in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every single person here, the married, those unmarried, single parents, single moms, dads, Lord, that you would establish fulfillment in their lives as they navigate through this season. Father, as they look to you for strength to raise their children, Father, to work together in the marriage relationship, Father, to trust you to move in their lives. In Jesus' name, Father, we commit every single person to you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers, that cleanses, that you bring healing, that you bring restoration, that you bring wholeness. Father, that we would be a people that would never be alone, having a revelation that you will never leave us nor forsake us, but that your presence is with us 
In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. We're going to close this uh, service with a song that's really dear to my heart. And it really is about the family. And as you sing this, allow the Spirit of God to grip your heart and enter in because you're part of a generational family. You're part of God's design in this earth to reflect His glory. Amen. So let's celebrate together. Thank you for being so attentive to the Word this morning.